Hello everyone, welcome to the first ever episode of the True North Podcast. My name is Benedict Rhodes and I'm the host of this show. As I'm sure many people listening to this inaugural episode will know, I'm the founder of True North, which is a brand new news site about Canadian athletes, leagues, and teams. You can find all of the written content for True North, including daily coverage of the upcoming Beijing 2022 Olympics and Paralympics, at truenorthsports.substack.com. The goal of this podcast will be up close and personal with Canadian athletes, coaches, and members of the media. Episode 1 will feature one of those members of the media, Ben Steiner of 49 Sports, among other outlets, is joining me to discuss the lead-up to the Olympics as we're now less than 20 days away. Ben has some great insight into Canadian sports, especially the U-Sports University level here in Canada, which made for a very interesting discussion as we inch closer to Beijing 2022 and beyond. Hope you enjoy this discussion. Very pleased now to be joined by the first ever guest here on the True North Podcast, Mr. Ben Steiner. Ben, thanks for coming on this episode, and how are you? I'm very happy to be the, the first guest on the uh, the True North Podcast. It's a it's an honor, and it's a pleasure to join you today. Yeah, awesome. Uh, looking forward to this all-Ben edition of the True North Podcast, of course, and excited to talk about some sports. But before we dive in, let's start off with the uh, Speed Skating Canada press conference. Just ended not long before we began recording this. Uh, you were there. Who did you hear from, and what were some of the main takeaways from that? Uh, well, one of the main takeaways for, for me was from uh, Charles Amelin. And if you're listening to this podcast, good chance that you are a Canadian sports fan and for now a Canadian winter sports fan. And he's gone to every Olympic game since Torino 2006. I was five years old uh, during those Olympic games. And, and now I'm 21 and, and covering these Olympics as well. So it's a bit uh, of a interesting moment to see this guy ending his career. Um, but he was saying that the this is the hardest Olympics that he's ever prepared for because not only is he in his mid thirties now and the body doesn't work as well as it did when he was a teenager, teenager and made his Olympic debut, but he's preparing for an Olympics in a pandemic and he's faced tough situations before he's faced the pressure of being one of the world's top speed skaters, short track speed skaters and having to succeed on home ice in Vancouver. He's faced the pressure of coming back from falling in a race in Sochi in 2014 He's faced the pressure of trying to deliver in Pyeongchang and not succeeding to the level that he would have wanted to. Uh, and now he, he comes into what's his final Olympics and another challenge. It's in a pandemic. There's all of the stresses about ha- having to test negative for COVID basically all the way through, especially in these final weeks. And now he's finally got the nomination for the team, but there's no guarantee he's going to actually compete because the first competition, and for all the athletes around the world, is just getting to Beijing. Yeah, you mentioned that the last bit there, the first competition is getting to Beijing. We've seen a couple outbreaks recently in Canadian sports. You've seen with the bobsledding team, you've had some some figure skaters test positive. Uh, how how much of a worry do you think this is for athletes just to sort of be in these sequestered sort of bubbles at the moment? We have like the hockey bubble out in Calgary, for example, just these athletes trying to do anything they can to stay safe. It's a tough situation. Um, a lot of these athletes are in protected environments right now, but a lot of them can't really afford to be. For example, all the snow events that are sanctioned by Federation on International de Ski, and excuse my, my French accent, but International Ski Federation will go with that, uh, or FIS for short, uh, those Olympic qualification events ended on January 16. It's an Olympic qualification period that started in 2019 and goes until January 16 of this year. Of course, we passed that date, so teams can start to protect their athletes, but they've been competing on World Cup, Europa Cup, North America Cup to get those points that are so valuable 
to push through to get an Olympic spot. And so they haven't been able to, to stay in those in, enclosed environments. And if you look at Alpine, uh, for example, this coming weekend, they've got uh, Kitzbühel for the men, which is one of the famed downhills, uh, and Cortina for the women. And Cortina, of course, being the, the eventual 2026 venue for the next Olympic Games. So these athletes on a lot of the sports are still competing. They're not in, in enclosed environments. For the team sports, it's a little bit different because you are able to centralize, say, the women's hockey team that's centralized in Calgary and is staying in a bubble there. The curling teams, which have rented houses and are basically isolating, but they're not playing in regular leagues. For anyone playing in a regular league, if the NHL would have gone, there would have been a problem there. Uh, and it's going to be a problem with the, the men's hockey team. Any of those athletes who are playing in leagues are at a greater risk because they're not able to protect themselves. The thing with the sliding athletes, uh, and there was that outbreak uh, of 11 bobsleigh athletes testing positive uh, and three coaches as well for a total of 14. Um, they're, they're all recovered and they're ready to go for the Olympics and bobsleigh Canada expected to, to make their team announcement in the next few days. But those athletes were not in fully protected bubble environments when they tested positive. They were competing on World Cup uh, and they had to, to miss a race. Um, but they, they all competed in Samaritz on the final World Cup race and World Cup season's over now and they can all focus on just the Olympic Games, which is the grand finale to the sliding season. And uh, as you mentioned, you've had some athlete nominations over the last week or two. Uh, to recording this on the 18th of, of January, uh, the two announcements today were the short track speed skating and the luge. Uh, how exciting is it for you, both as a fan and as a fellow reporter, to, to see these press releases come in and, and Team Canada really start to take shape in front of us like this? Well, it's, it's really starting to come together, and that's when it, it really starts to feel real. But for a lot of these athletes, the, the joy of getting named to these teams is a little subdued just because there's no guarantee that they're, they're playing and competing yet because of the COVID worry. Um, it was reported by CBC yesterday that the number, uh, the like threshold uh, for amount of COVID that you have uh, and man, an amount of transmissibility is actually less in Beijing to te test positive than it is in Canada. And so while it's the, the mark is a 40 in Canada, it's 35 in Beijing. Uh, and so you're going to see athletes who fall within that five range test positive in Beijing and negative in Canada. So that's a potential worry. And so I've spoken to a lot of athletes, especially bobsledders, uh, who are worried because they had recent positive tests and they might still have a bit of COVID, but not be contagious at this point. So they're worried that they'll go to Beijing and test positive, even, even though in Canada it, on World Cup, it would be fine uh, for, for them to compete because they're not necessarily contagious at this point. Um, and so there's a lot of subdued uh, attitudes among Canadian athletes, but that's not to say there's not excitement because you, when you see your name on that Canadian Olympic team, there's a lot of excitement that these athletes have because they're within a plane ride, a safe plane ride of getting into that village and competing at the Olympics. And yes, these Olympics are different than basically any other Olympics that we've had. Tokyo, of course, being the closest, but it's still the Olympic Games. And these athletes are still pumped. They're excited. Uh, and, and so am I. Uh, these athletes will be competing and representing Canada I, at Sports Canada Thrives At. Uh, on snow, on ice, uh, yeah, on snow and ice. Uh, 
and that that's an exciting and tantalizing opportunity for these athletes and Canadian sports fans. And uh, we've had some of Canada's greatest ever Olympians named to these teams already, like you mentioned, Charles Hamelin, Marie-Philippe Poulin as well, of course, and women's hockey team and others, of course. Uh, who's caught your eye so far from these these team announcements? We haven't had a lot of the uh, the super interesting team announcements just yet, like Freestyle Canada. That's next Monday that they're coming out. Uh, the Alpine athletes is is later this week on Thursday. Uh, and we we have seen curling as well. And I think the fact that Brad Gushu is going back to the Olympics is a, a pretty exciting thing. Um, I don't necessarily think that he's going to win a medal at the Olympics um, because I think the, the global game in curling has really improved since 2006. Uh, and I, I, I don't think there's much of a conversation to go against that. I, I'm more excited to see the athletes that we haven't seen announced yet uh, because those are the ones that could really challenge for medals. They're Canada Snowboard has to announce their athletes, and you're talking about Mark McMorris and Seb Dutant, uh, Freestyle Canada, and you're talking about Brendan Mackay and Halfpipe, Rachel Carker, uh, Amy Fraser, uh, and of course Cassie Sharp, who won, who won a gold medal in women's ski halfpipe in 2018, uh, Bobsled Canada, Justin Cripps, Christine De Bruin, uh, Cynthia Appia, you can go on. Uh, of course, freestyle skiing as well, M Mikhail Kingsbury and, and Moguls. Uh, looking for another Olympic gold medal, uh, Marion Thineau, who could challenge in women's aerials. There's a lot of athletes who haven't been announced yet, uh, but of the ones that have been announced, uh, the entire women's hockey team, really, um, they're looking to get back to that gold medal position that they couldn't achieve in Pyeongchang. And that has basically hung over the program for the last four years. Yeah, it went a while there without saying Mikhail Kingsbury got worried for a second. Uh, what about an athlete who maybe is under the radar that maybe you're expected to see. Like I, I'm personally pretty excited about Graham Fish and the long track speed skating. For example, like I think he can compete with, with Ted Yan Blowman for those 10,000 meter medals. But who are some other names from Canadians that you think Canadians need to know going into Beijing? I think Marion Thineau is probably one of those athletes. Uh, and Marion Thineau is regularly challenging for podiums in women's aerials on World Cup uh, and women's ski aerials. But that's an interesting event as well. Uh, because not only do you have the Australians who are quite good at it, uh, the Canadians who every now and then have an athlete, have some success, Marion Thineau from Quebec. She's 21 years old and having a lot of success in that right now, two podiums this year so far on World Cup. But this is the event that the Chinese are going to win their medals in. Uh, and they won't have many fans uh, in, in the crowd, but they will have a few of VIP and invited guests. Uh, there's no public sale for tickets, but the Chinese will win medals, and there's a real possibility that they might sweep them the podium in women's aerials, uh, but so could Marion Thineau. On her day, she wins competitions against the world's best, and she could be one of those athletes that nobody really knows the name of right now, but mid-February, household name. Yeah, it feels weird for you and I are both 21, and it feels weird to hear that 21-year-olds are already competing at the Olympics. It's, it's kind of a weird feeling, of course, but um, you know, you've done a lot of work covering alpine skiing. There are 11 events to be won in, in Beijing. Uh, you know, People know the Michaela Schifrin's of the world, of course, and there seems to be a 38-year-old former DJ representing Jamaica as well in, in this competition, which is exciting. Uh, but who else should Canadians pay attention to, uh, Canadian and or otherwise? Give us some names maybe for, for alpine skiing. It's always an interesting event, alpine skiing at the Olympic Games, because it's one of the few sports where the Olympic Games is not the pinnacle of the sport. Because there's international quotas, and you have to include the 38-year-old DJ from Jamaica who managed to hit the international quota and gets in because of his passport. 
but then you also have the 22 Austrians who will be going and every one of them is challenging for a medal. So it's a, a wide variance. And when you get down to the bottom of the start orders, you're not getting talented skiers. You're not getting people who can ski World Cup. It takes a long time. And that's a bit of what plagues ski racing, to be honest, is you can have this first guy down the hill win the race uh, in Super G and downhill. In the technical events, slalom and GS, there's two runs and they were run in re reverse order. Only the top 30 from the first run move on. And then you actually get some good skiing. Um, but the issue is, of course, you're not getting that in downhill and super G and especially the first run of slalom and GS, which can take several hours uh, at the Olympic games when it shouldn't take that long. And it doesn't on world cup uh, when you only have 60 or 70 racers, you're talking about start lists of 125 at the Olympics. It, it gets a, a little excessive, I think. And they, I think there's a way you can improve it, but in terms of athletes, that's my little rant about Olympic skiing in terms of athletes, Austria, Germany, Canada at this point, the U.S., uh, Switzerland, Norway, those are countries that you will see on the podium. And I mentioned Canada there. Canada hasn't really had success in Alpine for a number of years. You went through the, the stage of the Canadian Cowboys and Manuel Osborne parodies, better known as Manny and Eric Gay, and they had success on World Cup. Jan Hudek won a bronze medal at the 2014 Games in Super G. But this year, I think it's going to be exciting for Canadian Alpine fans because on the women's side, you have Amelia Smart, who has been doing incredibly in women's slalom. She has a couple top five finishes this year, and she is right there challenging for the podium alongside somebody like Michaela Schifrin uh, of the U.S., who is the most successful ski racer in any single discipline of all time. Um, and then in, on the men's side of things, Jack Crawford. Uh, you'll see his name on the start list is James Crawford. He prefers Jack Crawford, but he's also regularly getting top five in men's speed events. He won the Super G portion of the Alpine combined at the World Championships last year in Cortina. And then in the slalom portion, he was extremely slow and ended up finishing fourth. But on their day, either of those athletes can, can win a medal. So keep an eye on Ali Nolmeyer and Jack Crawford at these upcoming games. Um, assuming that they're on the, the announcement that Alpine Canada will be making on Thursday. Um, but those are two athletes who can challenge on their day. And there's a few other athletes that are sort of on the bubble of making it. But if they have a good day, they can also challenge for, for top 10. So it's a tantalizing Canadian Alpine roster this year. Um, but those names to watch, Allie Nolmeyer, Jack Crawford, definitely top of the list. And uh, you're obviously a huge fan of, and in my view, anyway, one of the leading reporters when it comes to university sports coverage here in Canada. Uh, how, how many sort of youth sports athletes, past and present, are expected to be in Beijing, and, and who, who are they? Uh, so at this point, we don't really know exactly how many will make it to Beijing um, at the Tokyo Games, which, of course, is uh, a larger games, but a smaller contingent for Canada. Uh, there were 37 former OUA athletes, so uh, athletes from Ontario University Athletics. Um, in terms of athletes, they really keep an eye on this time. A lot of it is on the bobsled track because the way Canada bobsled gets their athletes is they go into university sports locker rooms and say, if you can lift this much, if you can run this fast, then maybe try out bobsled. Um, and they go into University of Alberta, University of Calgary, basically every university across this country and test varsity athletes who show a bit of an interest in potentially pursuing bobsleigh and uh, an Olympic dream. And, a few of those names that really stand out is uh, 
Cynthia Appiah in woman's two man or two two woman bobsled and mono bob, which is a new event uh, dubbed the Lonely Bob because it's only a single person bobsled. Um, but she is going to contend for medals. I would almost go as far to say to guarantee a medal for Cynthia Appiah either in two woman or mono bob. She was incredible this season on World Cup, uh, and I I see no reason why she wouldn't land on the podium. Um, challenging in every race and she's a former york university track athlete and is part of uh the canadian olympic committee's uh latest marketing campaign as well uh and then also uh christine de bruin um is a former university of alberta track athlete i think she could challenge for medals uh also in in bobsled uh in both the two woman and the monobob i uh, and yeah it's there, there's a lot of athletes to choose from but they're not necessarily sports that are competed at the university level because you're not competing university bobsled. You're not competing university alpine skiing outside of McGill University. Um, and so there's athletes who, who have gone to these universities, some of them who've competed in varsity sport and have moved on to other sports, but it's hard to find athletes who competed in their sport in university and have gone on. In terms of hockey players, you're looking at probably Philippe Maillet, uh, former University of New Brunswick Red. He's playing in the KHL, and he's likely going to be on the Canadian men's hockey team at the Olympics. And then on the women's team, Melody Dau, who is looking to uh, add a Olympic gold medal to her world championship cabinet already. Um, and she was a player with the McGill Redbirds, or McGill Martlets, uh, during her university career, and now with the Canadian national team. So there's a lot of university athletes um, not necessarily competing in their sports that they played in university, but they they will thrive and be a presence in Beijing. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because actually you could segue into my, and my next question is, uh, you mentioned a lot of track athletes and a lot of American football athletes as well make this sort of transition into, especially the sliding sports like bobsleigh, but also we've seen like Kelsey Mitchell, for example, become a, a track cyclist because you have that leg power, right? You can make transition to those kind of sports. Uh, how, how important is it, do you think, for the COC to take advantage of, of youth sports athletes? Because a lot of them are, you know, top class athletes, but kind of just retire when, when they're done and when they graduate. A lot of them retire when they graduate because those opportunities aren't necessarily there. But the COC takes great advantage of Canadian university sport already. Uh, you look at the swim team that caught so many eyes uh, at the Tokyo 2020 games. And there's athletes there who are competing in a Canadian university sport. Marcus Stormeyer comes to mind. Uh, competing with the University of British Columbia Thunderbirds, and he's swimming for the Canadian national team at the Olympic Games. Uh, you look at athletes on the track, uh, Gabriella DeBoe-Stafford uh, and Lucia DeBoe-Stafford, who are both at the Olympic Games. They're University of Toronto uh, Varsity Blues alums. So there's a lot of athletes who've had success, both at the Summer Games and the, Olymp at, and the Winter Olympics. The thing with the summer games, though, is a lot of them are competing in the sports that they played in at university because you have university athletics uh, and you have various university sports that sort of translate directly. But for the winter games, it is in those sliding sports for the most part um, where you get the rugby players, the football players, the track athletes. Either you're strong or you're fast or you're a nice combination of both. And that's a pretty ideal mixture for a bobsledder. And uh, finally, before I let you go, uh... I haven't told you we're going to do this, but uh, rapid fire. I'm going to give you some questions and without, hes without hesitation, I want you to just give me an answer. Um, which athlete is going to surprise us and, and win a gold medal in Beijing? Marion Thineau. 
Yeah, I'm gonna go. For, I'm gonna go for Ivany Blondin. I just, I've been on her hype train for a while. I think uh, this might be the year she finally does it or wins a medal anyway. Uh, which sport will Canada win the most medals in? Speed skating. Uh, that's broad, but I'll say I'll say long track speed skating. Yeah, I'm gonna go for for freestyle skiing. Obviously, Mikhail Kingsbury's almost a, as a lock as anyone to to win a medal. Uh, give me one non-Canadian to keep an eye on in Beijing. The Jamaican bobsled team. Uh, they're heading back to the Olympics. Uh, they have qualified the most sleds that they've ever qualified in the Olympics. They'll be in women's monobob. They'll be in two-man and four-man, potentially two-women bobsled as well. We'll get to know that answer later this week. Uh, but I spoke with the Jamaican bobsled team earlier today, and they are a fun team. Um, they are very close to that 88 team. Uh, they competed in Calgary and, of course, imp- inspired the movie Cool Runnings. But they, they've got their songs that they've created, uh, and they'll be singing, they'll be dancing, and they just want to go and have some fun uh, at the Olympics. And so they're not going to win a gold medal. They're pretty reali- realistic on that. But when you ask them what their goals are, they say that it's not realistic to win gold, but what would they be doing there if they weren't challenging for a gold medal? I love that. Uh, I'm going to go for Laura Dees of Great Britain and the Skeleton. Probably a bit of a down season, but... Great Britain's dominated women's skeleton over the past decade plus, and, and she won a bronze in Pyeongchang. So I think she'll be in that mix for sure. Uh, last one, true or false, or not last one, sorry, true or false, Candle win 25 medals at these Olympics. I would say false. Uh, I think that's a bit of an overestimate for Canada at these Olympics, just because the figure skating is not going to be at that level this time around. The figure skating is going through a bit of a generational change right now, and really they're, they're led by... Uh, Eric Radford and Vanessa James at this point in terms of challenging for medals and who knows where they're at. They've recovered from COVID. They did not compete at the Canadian championships. So they're on the team. They're ready to go, but it's just, a, it's, they're not the dominant medal lock that Tessa Ritchie and Scott Moyer were. Uh, which event are you most looking forward to? Uh, well, you know me uh, and I am an Alpine guy uh, and I can't wait for the Alpine events. I also can't wait for, for ski cross as well. So those are events that Canada could very well medal in. I expect them to medal in ski cross um, at least a couple times, I think. Uh, so th- those are events that are exciting to me, but I would also be lying if I, was, if I uh, said I wasn't excited for, for hockey, both on the men's and women's sides. Um, yes, there's no NHL players, but I think that honestly makes it a bit more fun. Uh, I think I agree with that last part. Um, the actual last one this time, uh, true or false, you and I will lose way too much sleep over the next few weeks. Yes and no. Uh, I'm going to shift my entire schedule over to Beijing time. Uh, so I'll be working 15 hour days, um, but I'll be on Beijing time. So hopefully getting a bit of sleep in Toronto. Uh, ben, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show and keep up the great work. Of course, uh, I have to come on the show again after the games are done so we can recap them and, and preview the Paralympics as well. C- certainly excited to do that. And thanks for having me for the, the first episode. And uh, as I say to anything that's exciting, these Olympics are going to be great, so hold on tight. Awesome. Anyone who's not already should go and give Ben a follow on Twitter at BenSteiner00. Uh, ben, thanks again for your time. Cheers. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Ben Steiner for being the first ever guest on the True North podcast. If you like this and want to be the first person to listen to future episodes, as well as receive all new written stories right into your inbox, you can subscribe for free at truenorthsports.substack.com. You can also follow True North on Twitter at truenorth underscore sports and on Instagram at truenorthsport. 
My name is Benedict Rhodes, and thank you for listening to this first ever episode. I'll see you next time.